Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, the Lions played in a whale of a game on Saturday oh. night, mm-hmm. uh, losing to the Dallas Cowboys 20-19, to and, uh, you know, some would say controversial fashion. <laughs> yeah, a, a few people might say that. <laughs> so we we had a little discussion, and we don't want to to, to dwell on it because – you know, our, our show gets taped on Thursday nights. We've had four days of uh, complaining and, and mm-hmm. uh, rehashing and a lot of Zapruder-like film watching <laughs> of, you know, of linemen loitering near an NFL official. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about it a little bit. We want to know your true feelings. And I guess I'll spew mine out as well, but we, we're not going to, we're not going to hammer on it too much. I think everybody's had just about enough. Yeah, let's spend just a couple minutes and uh, then get back into our uh, our normal format. Um, I tell you, I got lots of problems with it. Um, mostly surround. I mean, look, the play itself is frustrating enough. Okay, that it happened, but I think what's really infuriated me beyond that is the hypocrisy of the NFL and its officials to not even admit that they made the mistake. Um, it's got to double obvious. down. You got to double down that you did, you were in the right. My good. I mean, it's the world we well, live in now. James Joyce even admitted he was wrong. You know what I mean? Like why can't that, that's it's, 13 it's years okay. ago, Eric, I know, but you know what? If baseball can do it, the NFL can do it. I mean, my goodness. Um, yeah, it, it's infuriating. Then they they uh, the league sends a video out that basically is discrediting their whole point as well because it shows video evidence that points to the opposite of what happened. And so, um, yeah, I have lots of issues with that. I have a lot. Uh, the play itself, I I understand mistakes happen. I don't like it that uh, a referee, if you're wearing the white hat, you should not ever make a mistake that egregious. So. That on that in itself is frustrating, but the disrespect to lion the lions, the players, and their fans is really what is maddening for me because it's like they're sending out stuff and basically saying, "Well, you're too dumb to get it, so let me let me just simplify everything and try and minimize your feelings on it because your team was wrong, and that's and that that's that's malarkey." I'm uh, I have I would have stronger language if uh, if we weren't on air here. But like I, I just I'm I, I completely am infuriated by the the disrespect that the league has uh, for Lions fans. I don't, is it really a disrespect? They're just trying to save their own face here. You know, he's he's either he's a good official who made a mistake. He's a bad official who was over promoted for any one of a number of reasons and wasn't paying close enough attention. Or maybe the acoustics in AT&T Stadium are a little wacky in that part of the field. Maybe he thought Dan Skipper was the one saying that he was reporting. Now we know what the truth is. We've, we've heard enough uh recordings of that you know that's mm. but that's the nfl they got to protect themselves you know coach campbell said it himself like uh they're they're enemies of 32 teams you know the, the league <laughs> right. is and the officials are so i, I right. don't know we can't dwell too much on that sort of stuff this is disrespectful to fans i don't know it's I, I, well, part of I, the game let me put it this way I'll, I'll i'll take ownership i think it's disrespectful to me 
uh, and so I maybe maybe I'm applying. You're making this about fans. yourself. No, no, no. I'm saying right. I feel disrespected. I'm saying sure. because I feel it. I know I'm probably not alone in feeling that because it's like you're you're telling me that I'm too dumb to figure it out, and that and, and that's insulting. And I just. <sighs> It is you, interesting, Eric, that like in a sport that that celebrates the Statue of Liberty or the fumble ruski or play action passes or uh, fake punts draws the line at deceitfulness of sending too many offensive linemen in to uh, it, pretend that you, we don't know which one's checking in. You know, look, the bottom line is they have a referee in place that made an error. And if he were to say he made an error, and then they, there's a consequence for that error, then great. I have a lot more respect for the leadership of, of how that, how they approach it than, than the way that they're handling it. If, if they acknowledge it and say that should never happen, he's not going to participate in the postseason now because of that. That's re- I could respect that. And then I think most Lion fans would be like, it sucks, but we're over it. Or we can get over it a lot quicker. This constant dragging out and like, you know, trying to double down on this stuff. It's insulting. It's insulting uh, to me. I, that's how I feel, personally feel. And so uh, I, I, I don't like it. I, I, it's, it's a, it's a real blemish uh, in my opinion uh, on an opportunity for them to, they're trying to save face instead of taking ownership. And I think that's a, that's a chicken way out. The NFL does have quite a few blemishes in its recent and long term sure. past when it sure, comes absolutely. to basically anything that happens to <laughs> one team or another or to the players themselves and their long-term health. So it's kind of par for the course. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too high, but I expect a little bit of character from a team, from an organization that makes an insane amount of money and has literal like phrases of uh you know end racism and stuff like that in 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 oh, the end zone you know just lip service well but that's the thing is is <laughs> it shouldn't be like you're 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 a powerful enough organization that it doesn't have to be lip service if you don't need it to be and you make enough money that you you know there's you do a lot of good donate into charity which you can do more and you can have a little character because there's a lot of people that that you know are have eyes on you and so just stand up Take ownership. Don't be a jerk. All right. So that's the feelings portion of the podcast. We'll end it right there. We talked about it being around five minutes. We almost reached the six minute part, six minute mark of that discussion. So we'll move on from that. Uh, let's go to the lighter side on the happy side. You know, the Pro Bowl rosters were announced. The Lions have oh, yeah. five, five straight up Pro Bowlers and then seven alternates. So the five are Aiden Hutchinson. Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, and mm. tight end rookie Sam Laporta. So give me your thoughts on that. Uh, it's the, the most they've had since 99, right, uh, where five get in on the first ballot. They have had five players participate in a Pro Bowl as recently as 2014, but that was because uh, – Another year with in- the issue with the Dallas game. Well, it was it was three three people made it in, and then another two people were promoted after the fact. Um, and and that actually adds a little wrinkle into uh, a conversation I have about Sewell here in a minute as well. Um, but overall, I I think 
you know, it's it's all very well deserving, and I think you could make an argument that there's maybe a player or two on the stuff on the uh, alternates list that maybe deserve to get in as well. Uh, most notably, Amon Ross St. Brown, in right. my opinion. So, um, but I mean, look, Ragnow is sensational. Uh, third Pro Bowl for him. He absolutely deserves it. Sewell, this is his second, but technically it's his first as a first time voter in, right? Like last time he got in because someone else opted out. And so that's important because Sewell's fifth year option is due uh, this year, right? Yet they have to make a decision on Sewell's fifth year option. And Pro Bowls are part of the accelerators for those fifth years so if sewell makes uh just playing time incentive his contract uh fifth year contract would have been around like uh 16 million but or like 16 and a half million for a fifth year option for him but if he makes uh one pro bowl that goes up two million dollars to like 18.5 and if he makes a second pro bowl that goes up another two million dollars to 21.5 or to like in the 21 range. So, but Pro Bowls only count in the, as an accelerator if you were voted in as part of the initial vote. So technically, while Sewell was a Pro Bowler last year, that doesn't count towards his accelerator, but this one does. So he will he'll get an extra bonus as uh, an accelerator on his fifth year contract but he won't get two. So the Lions will actually save a little bit of money because he got in after the fact uh, last year uh, instead of this year. But this year, it's going to cost him a little bit more money. Um, I think Hutchinson was a bit was the one that was the most surprising to me sure. yeah. uh, because it's so hard to get in as an edge rusher. And we've talked about that in the past, that he'd have to have some sensational numbers to get in. And I think his numbers are pretty terrific Um, right now. When you look at the totality of them, you know, last year he had 53 pressures this year. He has 96 last year. He had 11 sacks this year. He has nine and a half. So like he's getting close to that double digit sack barrier. His pressures are out of this world. I think they're like second or third in the NFL right now. And and that gets him in, and and so I, I I was a bit surprised by that, but I I do think his numbers say that he he's he's worthy of that. And then I Reeves Maben I think is certainly deserving because he, of what he's done on special teams this year: two converted fake uh, punts, um, one throwing, one rushing, and then he's also been a tackling machine. I believe he leads the league in special teams tackles, or he's second or something like that. Uh, and then Laporta I think is also absolutely deserving. Um, now his numbers aren't as good as a guy like um, Hawkinson who didn't get in, but at the same time, I think L- Laporta's impact has been sensational. And so I think he he's deserving as, as well. So uh, nice group of five you can make the argument for Amon Ra, whose statistics are way out of control and um, you know, maybe a few others. So I'm interested in your thoughts though, too. Like, uh, you, yeah, you, well, that I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm fine with the five guys that got in. Yeah, I'm in Ross St. Brown. Very much deserved to be one of them. You know, like they they went with Nakua. You know, he had more. He has more total yardage, right? More right. yards per catch type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know that they. All it's going to do to St. Brown is get him angrier. Oh <laughs> he's, yeah, he's already upset about being drafted where he was drafted. Now, more. <laughs> I don't know if you want to pile up more slights on the guy. It just makes it more. Uh, 
more definite. You want to give this guy another contract? It's like, well, we're not going to pass up on giving this guy a second contract. Certainly. Um, he's, Gibbs. He's, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say he's eligible this year uh, for a contract renewal as well, even though he's under contract one more year. He's eligible now. Go ahead. It would have been great if Gibbs was uh, selected. You know, like he needs what eighty-five yards to reach a thousand. And, Correct. you know, he did, did he miss a game? No, no, Montgomery missed yeah, a game. He well, did, no, you know. so did Gibbs. Yeah, Gibbs right, missed so, early in the season. You know, but he is a rookie. You know, I, I he's deserving. Goff, nah. <laughs> like, he's put up fine numbers this year. Uh, so, I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and say, you know, like, when you look at who were, who are the NFC quarterbacks? I don't want to screw this up. Is, is it Purdy and Hurts and. It's not Hurts. It's Purdy, um, Stafford. Oh, and, Stafford. Uh, yeah, Stafford got because he's having a, a big statistical year. Um, and then the obvious. It's it's going to be obvious, and I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Um, yeah, I'm looking it up. Oh, it's Dak. Oh, Dak. Yeah, Dak yeah, Prescott, of course. Of course. So yeah, um, you can't put him in over Prescott. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm fine with him being out. You know, he's had a fine year. He was a turnover machine for a, a period. You know, he had a slump. He had like a five-week slump. And yeah. you could point out to the other, these other guys having slumps. Purdy had three bad games mixed in there. But, you know, I don't know. Like, to me, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, like, mm-hmm. he is just like how the running game is so good. It's a function of the offensive line. Goff's kind of <laughs> really good because of a function of the offensive line and a function of his high-end skill position players. You know, like the, he he benefits from that, and it, that shouldn't screw him out of a Pro Bowl. But like, I don't think he is being screwed out of the Pro Bowl in this case. So, so Amon Ra's a first alternate, Gibbs is a first alternate, and Goff is a second alternate, which means the chances of the three of them all getting into the Pro Bowl, if the Lions are not in the Super Bowl, are actually pretty good, uh, just based on how things work. Right? Um, it's inevitably one of the a receiver or running back, they're probably going to end up like, for example, 49ers are the favorites, right? Yeah. They, if they uh, sit if, in the Super Bowl, Right. So Purdy uh, would, you know, get golf closer and then McCaffrey is a running, back. he'd get Gibbs in. Right. And so right. chances are, you know, some, you know, someone could also have an injury or something like that. And there's, so there's a variety of ways things can happen. So, um, I do, it, it would not surprise me at all if the lions, you know, uh, don't end up in the super bowl, if they end up with eight pro bowlers, because I think all three of those guys are, are in spots where they could end up getting in, uh, Jonah's third. Which is surprising. He only played what? 11 games. Mm-hmm. I think Jonah, like missed... Jonah gets a lot of respect around the league. Uh, well, sure. From... He's a good player and he's made a pro bowl before. And so I think that, um, carries some weight. In my opinion, I think Ragnow has actually had a better season than him, uh, but Ragnow doesn't have the the name notoriety that, that Jonah does. Uh, I think he was probably the most surprising person on this list. Montgomery's fourth, so getting yeah, him in would be nice. challenging as well. It would be really funny to have both Gibbs and Montgomery, though, in there, just uh, from a human standpoint. There could be the eighth pair of teammates to rush for 1,000 <laughs> yards each in a season, so it the, wouldn't be that the, crazy. The crazy thing is, is um, two of those previous seven were quarterback, running back duos. Right. Yeah. So yeah. 
of of the running back duels, it's only happened five times, and so be it's a pretty select group. Um, I think it's possible. I've been talking about it for a few weeks now, and uh, I I'm on I'm on board of uh, of getting this done. You know, like you said, Gibbs needs 85 yards. Uh, last uh, time they played the Vikings, he got 80 on the ground. So just you know, give him give him an extra touch or two. Let's see what. Happens. I'm sure they'll try as long as the game is not in doubt like i think they'll Correct. work to try Correct. to get those guys there ben johnson actually was asked about if you're close to achieving a goal would you skew your play calling play calling to help guys get to their of course he's gonna say no he actually said he's he's been on staffs that have done it before and he's not against it he mm-hmm. said you know he said you have you have both team and individual goals that you want to accomplish. And as coaches, it's our job to help the team accomplish its goals. And it's up to the players to help the team accomplish this goal, but it's up to the, co- the, the coaches to help the individuals accomplish what, what they have in front of them as well. So um, I think if they get him, if they get Gibbs like to like where he's within like 25 yards and Montgomery has already hit it. Cause he's only 25 yards away. I just think they're just going to keep running Gibbs out there. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, and it's going to probably fit what they're going to plan to do, anyways, against the Vikings. I, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think a running, I think a, a rushing attack is going to be a huge part of what they want to accomplish, and I think they don't have a really good answer for Gibbs. But we'll we'll get into that more in a little bit. Um, let's just ra- wrap the last two guys up. Uh, Khalif Raymond. He's no Mel Gray. He's no uh, Desmond Howard. He's no Eddie Drummond. But uh, he's been solid as return man and as a lion. Yep, he's fourth, uh, and then Anzalone's fifth. And, and that I think you know, like coming into this year, be like, no way, impossible. <laughs> but he's been really good ever since he's gotten that uh, that that all that pressure of being the middle linebacker off his back, mm-hmm. or at least you know every down middle line, being the 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 kingpin of the defense. You know, getting that yes. off of his shoulders has been great for him. He's been able to be more free and yeah. He's been he's been really good this year. The big surprise. Yeah, and even he was surprised. He even tweeted like it was surprising to him to see his name up on that list. So um tough tougher road for him being fifth to get into the get into that. But I, I think he'd be okay with it, especially because remember he's got a he's got a newborn. So he's gonna he's when when the season is over, he's probably gonna want to be home with the family anyway. Sure. So um yeah, it's 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 a lot of recognition, and I think well, it's they've earned. had a very good season. It's it is yes. the third seed. They're one of you know the the clear four best teams in the NFC. You know, there's no yep. no question about that. So it's not surprising that they have that many Pro Bowlers and alternates. Do you know how many uh, the Packers have? Are well, you gonna say it's like one zero? Well, you know, it, it, they're a my. I know you like saying bad things about them. I hate them too. I hate the Packers, <laughs> but they're they're a minefield. If they end up if they end up playing them in the playoffs, I, I you know, that one's got well, that one's got the curse written all over it. There's a fifty fifty chance that yeah, you know, that's, but neither of neither of the options are very good for the it's the first round of the I, I, from I, a curse I, perspective i know you're gonna lay it all out there for us but from a uh from the football gods perspective whether it's the vikings or the packers or the rams and we're going to talk about this later they're all bad let's talk, about, let's talk about it now let's talk about uh-huh. it now there there's there's two 
main scenarios that the Lions can happen as far as seeding goes. They can either be the, the three seed, which is the most likely, or they can jump up to the two seed. They, but in they would order, need a lot of help for that. Yeah. In order to jump to the two, you would they would need both the Cowboys and Eagles both to lose. And that and seems they have very unlikely. One place and then have Anders, to, the other play the Giants. Right. And, and so I think the both Cowboys favored to win. Yeah, the Cowboys are favored by like almost two touchdowns, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the, like it's the Cowboys needed to keep the two seed that they stole. And um, the they're going to be they're heavily favored over the commanders. And it, more than likely, they're going to end up in the two. Um, if the Cowboys and the Eagles both play in the afternoon on Sunday. So yeah, we won't know. Lions won't know. Right. And so basically Campbell said. It's up to us to win because it's still an option. And so we're going to go in thinking into the Minnesota game thinking we have to win. Right. Uh, but the odds are they're going to be the two seed. And so if they are the two seed, they have two opponents. That's it. Um, if they were the two seed, be a different story. They'd have four opponents. But that they could, if they, if they were the two seed, they could face the Rams, Packers, Seahawks, or Saints. But that's not really going to be an option. Now they're going to be probably going to be the three. And if they're the three, they have two options. That's it. And the two options are the Rams or the Packers. Now, right now the Rams are in the spot opposite Detroit. Uh, The Rams, though, are playing the 49ers, top team in the NFC. They're already sitting Matthew Stafford. They're sitting Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, um, Cooper Cup. Their, host their, of their star players. Their, their running back is being sit, sat as well. Kyron Williams. 40, 49ers are sitting there, quarterback and running back. As, as, so, like, a whole bunch of these guys, a whole bunch of these starters are sitting in this game for so both anything teams. can happen. Anything could happen. Carson Wentz gets hot, they're going to win. Sam yeah, Darnold gets is, hot, the 49ers win. When you look at the overall depth of the team, though, in my opinion, this, the 49ers are a much deeper team, and so I do think that the 49ers are going to be or should be the favorite. If the Rams lose, then things open up. Cuz if the Rams win, the and the Lions are the 3, the Lions play the Rams. End of story. But if the Rams lose, then it comes down to the Packers game. If the Packers win and the Rams lose, then the Packers jump into the spot opposite Detroit. They'll be the sixth seed and they'll play the Lions at Ford Field. But if the Rams lose and the Packers lose, then the Rams stay in the sixth seed because of strength of schedule and, and record and all that. And the Rams would be the Lions opponent. So Rams win, they play the Lions. Rams lose, Packers win, Packers play the Lions. Both of them lose. Rams play the Lions as long as the little Lions are in the three seed, which is expected. So in the afternoon, um, on, uh, on Sunday afternoon, after you watch the Lions beat the Vikings, you're going to have Fox carrying the Rams 49ers game. Oh, good, good. I, I see what's happening here. And CBS is going to have, the Bears Packers game. Yeah, that's nice. So they you, have that flex scheduling there where CBS can grab an NFC game. Yep. And so you'll get to watch the Lions game 
and you'll get to watch them win and be in control. And then you'll get to watch, they'll have two games on of their most likely opponent. And so it's, it's a, it's a very smart way of, uh, of setting up the last week. And for lions fans, it's, it's, it's really a, an all encompassing experience uh, for the playoffs that you, that you're going to get to watch on, uh, on your local feed. So should be a fun afternoon, right? Should be a fun Sunday afternoon heading into the evening. And then, I mean, every, the AFC is so out of control. Like the AFC's got games on Saturday night that are going to be, comp, you know, have playoff implications. Yeah, well, it's division the, championship, right? Is on. Well, on, uh, and then and then Sunday night is the is the Bills. Oh, it's, Dolphins. It's the Bills Dolphins for yeah. the the AFC East. Houston, yep. Indianapolis, gunning for that last playoff spot. Slash, I think those are their implications. If the Jaguars lose, one of them can win the division. Yeah, it's I, yes, yeah. yes that going on there. That one's uh, it gets a little bit more complicated, right? right? Um, but yeah, on Saturday night, because the Ravens have um, because the Ravens already have that one seed locked up, they're playing Pittsburgh. Uh, you want to guess wh- who's refereeing that game? That's the Brad Allen game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Monday Brad night Allen football game. game again, yeah, back to back Monday night footballs back on Saturday, back to back Saturday, Monday night footballs. Ugh. And uh, yeah, so he's going to, he's going to mess that game up for them, which will be great to watch. Um, <laughs> but the Steelers need a lot of help. So the Steelers, the, the Ravens are locked into the one seed Steelers need a lot of help. It starts with a win. So they've got to get a win and help. Uh, whereas the Texans and the Colts, it's a lot simpler, whichever team wins gets in, but if they want to get control of the AFC South, they need to win and then have the Jaguars lose on Sunday. So that that second game on Saturday night has not just playoff berth implications, but also potential um, division champ implications, depending on what happens the, the following day. And so, yeah, then the the Sunday night one is really got a ton of implications, but they're going to know everything you know, before they go into it because the bills right now, it's, it's a crazy scenario because depending on how things happen, the bills could actually end up as the two seed with a win Mm -hmm. or they could miss the playoffs altogether with a loss as crazy as that. They could drop that far depending on how the games play out on Saturday and Sunday. NFL loves this. They absolutely do. Everybody, everybody all mediocre and, within a game of each other in the standings in week 18. And, and that's why the AFC is in such a prominent position for the Saturday night, Saturday games. And then the Sunday night game is yeah, because the AFC is, yeah, AFC is wide open. Whereas the NFC it's, there's one playoff spot open and then it just becomes seeding uh, yeah. because and one division NFC, championship, but yeah, that's all yes. that's on the line. It's not like, yeah. 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 yeah the South is still open. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the NFC is a lot cleaner, right, this year because there's very clear top teams. AFC is a muddled mess, and uh, lots of things could happen. So uh, I'm going to actually have articles on them that kind of break all the games down and stuff like that, or the different you know viewing games that you could that the fans can see. And uh, 
So I'll, I'll try and I, I'll have it explained out as easily as I could, but it's, it's, it should be fun. It should be fun, a very fun viewing weekend to see how things shake out. And then when it's done, uh, we'll know who the Lions are playing and when, because they could play Saturday, Sunday, or even Monday. Because remember, the Super Wild Card has a Monday night game as well. Yeah, so, no, hopefully they don't get that Monday night game. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, if the league doesn't like me right now, in my opinion, and so they'll make it the Monday night game because that's the hardest <laughs> one on my work schedule. <laughs> um, but you know what? I don't know, but the Lions, whoever the Lions, either matchup's going to, if it Rams or Packers, will be pretty juicy storyline-wise. So, and... Yeah. The Lions have been a popular team on television this year. The Packers are always a popular team on television. Rams, not so much, but I think the story of Stafford returning to Detroit to play in a playoff game, <clears throat> excuse me, is good enough that they're yeah. going to get, they might get that primetime Saturday spot. I don't know, unless there's a better one, you know, in the AFC. Like, I, yeah, we'll have to see how it it's, it's out. The Lions, get, Lions are going to get a pretty good spot. I agree. I think they're going to be one of the late games. Um, I just don't know on which Saturday, day yet. Saturday or Sunday. Maybe Monday too. I think. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think I hope they don't either, but I think they might. Um, do you, that sounds like, like Eagles Buccaneers or Eagles saints to me. <laughs> oh, I hope that'd be great. Um, all right. So knowing that we are pretty locked in, the odds are that it's going to be the Rams or the Packers. Do you have a preference on which team you'd no, rather face? No, they're both terrible. Both terrible <laughs> options. Curse wise, both terrible options. We've we've experienced them play the Packers in the play. We've experienced them host the Packers in a playoff game and disastrous result. A blown coverage. A blown co- team winning the game. The blown coverage, a 40-yard touchdown pass from Favre to Shannon Sharp in the Pontiac Silverdome, you know, in the waning moments. You know, like the Packers have always had the Lions number, you know that. And then the Rams, the whole Stafford thing. It's just set up for that. Stafford could never host, a, get to host a home playoff game at Ford Field. You know, always never had success. Now he's going to be able to come back to Ford Field with, you know, the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago with the chance to win a home playoff game at Ford Field against his own. They're both terrible scenarios. See, I look at it as an opportunity to exact some revenge no, and, to kill, and to kill some of those demons, right? Like nope. I see it as an opportunity. See, for me, it's very clear what I, I have a very clear preference. Um, the Packers. I want the Packers a hundred percent. I think they match up better against the Packers. I think, I think the Packers are the worst team. And um, I think the Lions can be both teams. Per, you know, look, I think the Lions are better than both of both teams, but I would rather face the the Packers for a a multitude of reasons, matchup wise and whatnot. But in all honesty, the thing that I dislike the most is I don't want a million stories about Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit. There'd be tons of them. I just going to be a million. They would dominate the airwaves and I don't want those. This team hasn't accomplished a, a, a division title in 30 years to host a playoff game. And they deserve the attention to be on them, not on a player that this team traded three years ago. And I get the storylines are great. I don't want it. Not even a little bit. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to hear anything about him. And so I'm, 
going to be pulling very hard for a 49ers victory. And uh, I'm I'm going the to be Packers pulling. Packers win. Wow. Uh, no, I'm pulling for the Bears to lose. Um, not I'm not pulling for the Packers <laughs> to win. I'm pulling for the Bears to lose wow. and, and the Rams to lose. And uh, so, yeah. Now, lest I, you forget, the Lions had a total no-show the last time they played the Packers. They had to yeah, scramble they, to try to get back into the game. Ha, and, and look. And they lost on Thanksgiving to them, right? And that because right. of it. At and home. So I'm, but I, I think that's fuel to the fire. I think that's a lesson learned type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not scared of the Packers. I think the Packers are beatable. I've seen how they've played since. I think they're young. I think they have the lesser quarterback. And I think the Lions match up well against them and they know how to beat them. So I, uh, I, I think it's a that was a wake up call game for them on Thanksgiving, and um, they it's something that they can use. So, yeah, I I, I have a very clear preference for the Packers, and um, I'm I'm not shy about letting people know. Both teams have good skill guys. Sure, Packers but, have a younger version. Although I know the Rams are young too. They have you know with Williams and Nakua, and mm-hmm. but you know like they have the more established veterans too with Cop yeah. and. Uh, the tight well, end with uh, Higby, right? And then we'll get we'll get into this next week, but I think the Lions are built for the playoffs, and um, I I think they have what it takes to grind out wins in the playoffs, and I I think they're going yeah, to they do. But once that curse comes into play, you saw what happened on Saturday. <laughs> they had everything it took to win that game, <laughs> and then fate intervened. The That's football right. gods intervened. No, Brad right. Allen, Brad Allen. Interview. Everybody's probably sick of me being so negative. So we, <laughs> we probably should move on from here. But Let's I talk think, about, oh, yeah, no, I was just, I was just going to say it's a, it should be a fun weekend of viewing um, lots of enjoyment to be had. And uh, it starts with this game. So let, yeah, let's, let's get to this one. All right. Transactions. Isaiah bugs released. Um, he, he sent out a, a message before it was, it was announced. Right. Yes. You know, and this is the second time he did that this season, right? Didn't he do that before? <laughs> before the KC? Yeah, before the KC game, ironically. Yeah. And now he's in KC on their practice squad. Um, yeah, before the KC game, he was sending out mixed, uh, you know. Cryptic sp- messages about. On social media. Thank yeah. you to the Lions fans or, you know, whatever. It's going to be yeah. with some other team. And I tell you, um, he just, he never seemed to get right with the front office. It felt like, right. Or with the coaching staff, it felt like they just never seemed to be on the same page, uh, which was very strange because a year ago he was a catalyst in, in, in helping them kind of write the ship. And for whatever reason, um, I think there were performance issues. I think there were a clash of personalities, potentially trust issues. Stuff that, happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way he reacted didn't sit well with them and the way that they, um, you know, Dan Campbell's very blunt. Right. And I think what we've learned from him is that early in the week, like Tuesday, he goes around to the players and he says, this is our game plan and this is what your role is. And he will tell them you, you're not going to play this week. Like he will say, and you know, you're not part of our game plan this week. You're probably going to be inactive. And he tells them because that's part of his philosophy is he wants them to know what the expectations are. And I don't think that 
direct approach kind of sat well with bugs. And and I don't know if it like, if it was a, you know, you're limiting me or I'm better than what you're recognizing me as, or, you know, I don't, whatever it was, whatever the reasons were, they just, it though that communication or that relationship didn't, didn't seem to work uh, very well. And I think when you listen to Dan Campbell's press conference, when he had to address Isaiah Bugs leaving and Bruce Irvin, who we'll talk about in a second, he had very different reactions when talking about each of the two players. And uh, it, I think that supports the idea that there was may, probably a fractured relationship. I don't have anything to support that other than just like kind of reading, you know, the, the people in front of me. So he is, uh, he's in Kansas city now. And uh, you know, I hope he does well. And um you can experience some playoff football. Yeah, you can play against the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. It's very possible. All right. Doug, not Doug, tight end Anthony Ferkser released. So Ferkser was signed right before last week's game because they wanted to elevate Bruce Irvin, Tyson Alualu, and then they needed to get, they wanted to get Ferkser on the team as well because um, Brock Wright was injured. Now, the reason they signed Ferkser was because I believe they didn't think or they thought Ferkser could pass through waivers when they release him uh, easier than the other two. And so Ferkser comes in. He got signed. He's released on a Thursday. Now, there's the reason he's released on a Thursday is so that he can clear waivers if they can bring it and they can potentially bring him back before the game if he clears waivers so they can keep him on the roster before the playoffs start on the practice squad. If they were to have released him on Friday, they would have had to have waited through the weekend until Monday for him to clear waivers. So there was a, there was some strategy in releasing him on a Thursday. Now he's got to clear waivers, but my assumption here is that he's going to clear and they're going to bring him back to the practice squad. um, And they'll have to make a different transaction after that. But um, I believe this was the plan all along with Berkser. It was just a temporary signing. Um, there's no real difference in paycheck, uh, whether he's on the active roster as a 50 member of the 53, or if he's on the roster as an elevated member of the practice squad. So this was just a cutting the red tape, uh, following, you know, the, the formality of the league when it comes to transactions. And so while he's been released, I, I do think there's a really good chance that he returns to the practice squad. One man who won't be returning to the practice squad is defensive end Bruce Irvin, released from the practice squad. So they they got him for a few weeks, and they've said so long. So Irvin and Dan Campbell have been talking for a few weeks about uh, Irvin's future, and um, it's not uh, entirely clear, you know, what those conversations were about because Campbell kept those secret. But overall, I think once urban was elevated that third time and he was out the lions said, Hey, we're not going to elevate you in week 18, but we can still elevate you in the playoffs. Um, that's an option. But I think Bruce Irvin looked at the situation and said, you know, uh, I don't think it's in my future. And, uh, and the two of them parted amicably. Now it's unclear exactly what, um, 
you know, why Bruce Irvin retired or I'm sorry, retired, uh, was released. But I do think there were some personal issues. Now it's possible like he was looking, he's contemplating retirement. Uh, it's possible that, um, he was just like looking to step away. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's looking to go to another team or anything like that from what I can gather. So there's, but there, there's something going on that I, I haven't really got a clean answer to. So I, I'm just, I'm not sure exactly. I was told it was kind of a, a personal decision um, from urban. And so in my mind, that could be a variety of different things. And we'll, you know, I don't, I don't know if we'll get an answer right now. We might find out down the road exactly uh, why he decided to, uh, to, to step, you know, step away from the lions. Fullback Jason Cabinda and, Nickelback Chase Lucas signed to the practice squad. Let's make you ask to please you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so Cabinda, I think when we recorded last time, he was still um, in the uh, injury evaluation window. Then he was activated. Then he was released. And then he, now he's brought back on the practice squad. Um I think it kind of speaks to the position more than it speaks to the player. Uh, The fullback role has been kind of phased out or been utilized by other players. And I I don't think the lions believe they need a permanent designated spot on the 53 for that, for that specific role anymore. Uh, It's nice to have the option and it's possible that they use it, especially on games when they're going to want to like, you know, run the ball and they feel they might need that position but I just think the priority of that position has kind of gone to the side. Uh, Chase is a guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Chase. I'm very excited that he's back uh, to the practice squad. This is what I expected uh, based on my conversations with him. And so, uh, you know, I think he's the team's best gunner and I think he has a bright future. And so he's a guy that I am hoping uh, sticks around you know, once it's all said and done, because I think bringing him back next year would, should be something they really look to, uh, to do. All right. Injury report. First one, Jamison Williams, ankle injury did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Surprising that, you know, he had that ankle injury after that big 63 yard reception. Yeah, it was. Um, and he was kind of moving around on the sideline trying to, you know, like feel it out, but I don't think they're going to risk it. Um, he also had an illness on uh, on Wednesday as well. So now with an ankle and an illness and not practicing, it sure looks like he's not going to play this week, uh, which makes a lot of sense because they're going to want him to be ready uh, for the postseason. Tight end Sam Laporta, ankle injury limited Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, they're not worried about that. They uh, Dan Campbell was actually surprised he was even being asked about Sam because that's how little he thought of the injury. Uh, they're going to take it easy with him, but that's, you know, he's, he's should be available. Tight end Brock, Wright Hip injury did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. So he has not practiced for eight practices in a row now and missed two games. Um, the fact that he hasn't been put on IR is a good indicator that he's going to be ready or at least be potentially available for the playoffs but it sure doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Only two tight ends on that Lions roster. Surprising for a Dan Campbell well, coach team. But that's the thing is if they can get by releasing Ferkser today, if they can get him back on the practice squad, they can elevate him if they if they needed a third. All right. 
a left tackle Taylor Decker groin injury did not practice Wednesday, full practice Thursday. Yeah, so he's good. They basically just gave him a day off. Um on, on Wednesday, he's back to full practicing. I expect him to be good to go. They're just taking, we know he's you know, fine. Give, we saw it. Yeah, giving him some veteran. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Center Frank Rag now toe back knee, full practice Wednesday, veteran rest day Thursday. Part of the scheduled maintenance that he's had all season. Right guard Graham Glasgow, veteran rest day Thursday. Yep, uh, all their all their you know veteran offensive linemen, guys that have been around a while, they all got a, a day off this week. Defensive tackle Lee McNeil, knee injury still on injured reserve, limited practice Wednesday Thursday. He's expected to be back, um, so much so that by cutting, they've cut, they've already made room for him. Right, the the release yeah, of bugs, bugs move. And the Fersker release has allowed the Lions to have two open spots on the roster. Uh, One of those is going to go to McNeil, who they uh, are going to use week 18 as kind of like a tune-up game. So he's all on, you know, he's on going on all cylinders come playoffs. Nose tackle Benito Jones with the illness full practice Wednesday did not practice Thursday. Illnesses can be tricky, but for the most part, they're typically just something that passes um, but this time of year, you never know. So it's something to keep an eye on, but you know, still reason to be optimistic. Edge defender, James Houston, ankle injury, still on injured reserve, limited Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, so he is not expected to be good to go for this weekend, which means it's going to be a little bit tougher. It means like he's going to be getting his reacclimation during the playoffs. And so this gets a little tricky then because, uh, it's hard to put a lot of confidence in a guy who hasn't stepped on the field in three months, you know, put him in, in a playoff game. So he'd have to really show something in practice in order to get activated and then play. Cornerback Cameron Sutton, toe injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Late week injury last week, but he's, uh, he seems like he's good to go as well. Defensive back CJ Gardner, Johnson, pectoral muscle, Still on IR, full practice Wednesday and Thursday. And so he's the other spot that's expect. He's expected to fill the other open spot on the roster. Um, like I said, McNeil and Gardner Johnson are both expected to be uh, activated from IR and then signed to the uh, to the fifty three man roster. And uh, it gives the Lions two highly talented defenders back uh, with a tune up game before they can go into the playoffs, which is, uh, I think, a huge, huge uh, you know, luxury to have. Okay, rolling it back. We want to talk a little bit more about the Cowboys game, maybe not so much about the end. Maybe the one thing we do want to talk about the ending is the going for two, mm-hmm. making the two, yep. being penalized, five-yard mm-hmm. penalty, still going out there to run a play from the seven-yard line for a two-point mm-hmm. conversion having the penalty go against the the Cowboys and then going out one more time with the ball now on the three and a half yard line to go for two again. You want it? The the thoughts on that? Did you want them to kick the extra point from seven yards out? No, no, I I wanted it all. Which would actually have been the 40. A lot of people, I've been having discussions about that because they want to play the percentages. They want to go to overtime lines, have momentum in the game. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm on board with you actually that like, 
there's th- bad things that can happen once you go to overtime. Maybe somebody gets hurt. I know the odds of that aren't super great, but at the same yeah. time, there's there's not a huge downside to losing. It's not like they can fall down to the fourth playoff seat or the fifth right. or the sixth. Right. You know, they could still be third. Let's get out of here with the. Let, you know, we're here right now. Let's try to get out of here with a win. They yep. feel they have plays. They can do it. And with the way they were playing, you know, like yeah, well, why not? And so I'm more on the side of, uh, of I was fine with them going for those two point yeah. conversions, but at the same, I'm, I'm it, the way I feel about football is, is the more aggressive approach is the correct approach, but I yeah. do understand the old school approach and, you know, play the percentages, you know, just, the, just go straight ahead, you know, trust your teams better than the Cowboys. And you're going to go out and win anyways. Yeah. The, this is an offensive league now. Right. It's it's been an offensive league for a while, but this is very much an offensive league and you win on your offense. And and the Lions offense, even though it wasn't playing as well as the defense was that day, the Lions offense is, is the strength of their team. And if you're going to win the game or have a chance to win the game, put on your offense, like let your offense win you the game. That's that's how it should be now. Right. Like. It's not like college, uh, you know, where every, you know, the rules for overtime are different. And the NFL, if you have the chance, go for it. Look at what happened in Seattle, right? Against Seattle in week two. Yeah, that, that might have been weighing on Campbell's right? mind because they yeah. got back into that game. They rallied to tie the game and then, boom, lost the coin toss. Seattle just marched right down and won the game. The right. And so, um, I completely, look, being on the road, I think, is certainly another reason to be aggressive because, if you can, if you can steal that game or you know win that game there at the end, um, on the road in a hostile environment against an opponent that's one of the the best in the NFC, uh, great, take that opportunity. I would rather you put it on one play to win it and 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 ha- and on in the strength of your team as opposed to like, you know, going in overtime and where a bunch of different things could go haywire and then you know it ends up you end up losing just the same. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I almost, I default to aggression, uh, in the NFL nowadays. And I was all about just pick your best play, pick your best play and, and get it. Now I didn't think their third attempt was their best play. Uh, no, but they were asking a lot of James Mitchell there. If that was yep. a better thrown ball. Yes. Yeah. It would have been really hard. Right. And, um, I don't think it's better even if Brock Wright's in there, Right. Uh, I would, you know, maybe that's JMO if JMO is not hurt, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's other wrinkles, but if those are the wrinkles, then you, you need to call a different play as well. So, um, you know, I thought Ben had a rough first half, uh, didn't call the game that he probably should have. And I didn't like that call at the end either. And and so it wasn't Ben's best game. In my opinion, I thought the defense played out of their mind, but, uh, at the end, when you have great a last drive though, they great. did everything right yeah. on that last drive, but that this, was just one drive. You know? This team has a knack for that though. When the, when the pressure's on, they have the ability to turn it up and that's a huge, huge character trait to have uh, that will help you win games, especially uh, in the postseason, in my opinion. Um, go, it, it, Not kicking the field goal earlier in the game. It's the same philosophy for me. Like you're right, going for it. And, yeah. So I'm I'm comfortable trying to get seven on the road, uh, it, it, you know, in a and against a very tough opponent. The inability uh, to defend. Oh, sorry, I was moving on. Keep going. The inability to defend C.D. Lamb. 
Yeah, I think that's just the system. Now the the numbers are skewed because Derek Barnes well, the one ninety eight, yeah, the one ninety seven yeah. touchdown pass. If Derek Barnes, oh boy, makes that tackle, what was going? Have have now the focus has been on the end of the game. Has there been? Does anybody talk to him about it? Not really. Um, it'd be interesting. Publicly. Like, what was going on in his own head there? Why did he do I, what he did? Yeah, I have to imagine. The first thought that came to my mind was, he doesn't want to draw a penalty, so he's trying to just like hit him in the body, because they had just gotten a penalty the week prior. Uh, for sacking a quarterback and then landing on him with your weight, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it just seemed like he glitched. Like, it, yeah, he just sure. glitched. Because like, in I the end, he'd probably look at it it's like, man, I would have rather have taken the 15-yard penalty. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. He should, he, he, yes, it was It was very bad. It was a very bad error. Uh, one of the worst, one of the worst of the season, I'd say. Um because that's a that's a huge turn. That's a nine point swing for there. You know what I mean? Because you're getting two points instead of giving up seven. And and the game's totally different. Game's totally different with that if he if he tackles them. Um I thought that outside of that play. So you take that play away, it's that's a hundred yards. Um there was a couple of blown tackles that they inexplicably missed as well, which you know, he got big chunk yardage as well. So but hey, we saw that the week prior with Justin Jefferson too. Like Jefferson caught six passes for like 140 yards or something ridiculous. You could potentially like that. see that again on Sunday. Right, right. And so like right now, they're giving up the big play. The positive thing though is they're doing everything else right. They're stopping the run like crazy. They're shutting down a lot of the other receivers, but they just can't handle the top guy whether they're doubling them or whatever, they're just struggling. I mean, huge struggles against the team's number one, but right. They're doing almost everything else. Right. They're finding ways to blitz. They're getting sacks they're getting turnovers. They're stopping the run. Like they're doing so many other things. Good. But this is it. The one very, very glaring error that they need to find a better solution for. Great game by Aiden Hutchinson really yeah, stepped three, up you know after yeah. you know there's been some criticism on him over the last you know half of the season but sure really stepped up on on saturday yeah i think a lot of the critics you know stopped criticizing after that game well sure they, they have nothing to complain about on right. saturday melifon Wu, he's he's keeping it up you know i the more i think about it and the more i break down this defense the more i realize like he is the catalyst for the defensive change that they've had recently, their ability to blitz from all these different directions basically showed up at the same time that he showed up as a starter. And it's his ability to blitz and his ability to cover that and allow other people to blitz that has allowed Aaron Glenn to be more creative. And I really think like he is kind of the straw that stirs the drink right now for this defense. And and yes, you know, Hutchinson has been playing sensational and he's, you know, arguably your best player on defense and, you know, Branch has been playing terrific as well. And, but like right now, what Malafonu, what Malafonu gives them or what he gives Aaron Glenn 
is the ability to be more flexible, more creative, and then utilize more aggression. And that's a huge benefit for Aaron Glenn. And so with Gardner Johnson coming back, I don't know how much they're going to want to take Malafonu off the field, if at all, because he's the catalyst right now. He is what makes Aaron Glenn flexible to be aggressive. And so I think you can use Chauncey in a lot of other ways, and I expect them to use Chauncey in a lot of other ways, but I don't think it's going to be at the expense of Malafonu. Tyson Alu-Alu leading Mm. the team in snaps, right, at the defensive tackle position. Correct. Yeah, a bit unusual. Um, they kind of like a surprise. Benito Jones has played like the same number of snaps like every game for like a long time now. Like he's kind of locked in at this number, and this is his number. Um, Bugs was has a number even smaller than that that he's been locked at for a few last few weeks as well. And um, I think that was part of the, you know, the the reason maybe he's not around is. He just wasn't as big of a contributor as he wanted to be. And the Lions didn't think he, he could be anything bigger than what they, he was giving them. And, but Alu Alu gives them a veteran, uh, veteran depth and the return of, of a lean McNeil gives them a lot more flexibility to shift around that interior moving forward as well. So uh, lots of, lots of options with these, uh, these guys coming back from injured reserve. Jack Campbell. Yeah. Not with him. The switch hasn't flipped. He hasn't had a Melifonwu type switch flip. He's not come on like gangbusters like yeah, he's getting Brian better. Branch has. Is that oh, yeah. day coming? Do you think that day is potentially going to come this week, maybe next week? Or do they need some other veteran in the front six, front seven that's going to kind of take some pressure on, like a similar to an Anzalone situation where he's mm-hmm. kind of got to be forced into like, where he belongs instead of them kind of moving him around, kind of using him in different ways. You know, what, what do you think is going to go on there? I, this kind of maybe not a question for this podcast, but for no, the I think, future podcast, we talk about the long-term of this team. Yeah. There, I mean, there's nothing to tell me the base Jack's getting better, but there's nothing that says to me that he's ready to like all of a sudden take it up like three, four notches right now. Um, I think he's going to get better and I think he's nowhere near where his ceiling is, but I also think he kind of is what he is right now um, as a rookie. And, and I'm not expecting him to be much more than what he is. And I think that's fine too. I, you know, you have Derek Barnes who's playing at a higher level and Alex Anzalone is a, is a pro bowl alternate. So it's okay for Jack to, to not be, at his ceiling yet, but I, I think he'll get there eventually. Just might, it might be next year. Yeah. It's odd that that, that position became one of strength for the lions. It, it, it's strange yeah. how things happen from year to year. Yes. Jameer Gibbs didn't have the strongest game. Montgomery, mm-hmm. once the offense started going, he was the guy, you know, that's where they hit yeah. their real rhythm. Yeah. The guards really struggled with, um, you know, I expected them to go in and kind of assert their authority, on the Cowboys, but instead the Cowboys quickness was catching the guards off, off, uh, off guard. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, there. And, uh, and it, they struggled. And because of that, the, the run game, I think struggled as well. And, and that's when the run game struggles and you're not getting those holes, it's a little bit harder for Gibbs than it is for Montgomery. Cause Montgomery can just kind of, you know, bully people the way that the offensive line typically does. But with, 
Montgomery or with uh, the the guards having a hard time, it it definitely lended itself more to Montgomery than it did to Gibbs. Now you mentioned the offensive line, definitely not one of their better performances. You know, it's it it's because you know, like you're watching that game, and like half the time, you know, the Cowboys were just in the Lions' backfield, and you know, it's weird because the Lions have really good offensive line. They have really smart yep. off They have the smart offensive coordinator. Like, what's going yep. on when they start having these huge lapses? It's crazy. I think it, I think it just it started with the interior, and then it just became hard for them to adjust because like when you can cover you can cover on the outside by either adding a, like a tight end or you can um use the pass rusher's momentum and create a, a better pocket up front for the quarterback to step into but when you're getting that interior middle pressure it's just it's a lot harder to adjust to and I, they just had a problem they had a problem with dallas's quickness and you know i think they learned a big lesson this week on the, they're not going to be able to just like push people around all the time because you sometimes you can't get your hands on them. And so hopefully this is something they can, you know, bank and, and learn from uh, as the, you know, for the playoffs. Jared Goff, is he a robot? <laughs> because he I has mean, those, the interception, yeah. that last one, you think like, oh, he's done. He's done. Like <laughs> the, the, he's lost for this game. And then he comes, you know, he's got his head in his hands. It's, it's yeah. a mess. You know, things are a mess then he comes back out for that last drive and it's like nothing happened, you know, like yeah, that's he, one thing he does have going for him. That's for sure. And, you know, like you know, we, it, his most memorable game as a non-lion is, you know, being just hampered in the Super Bowl, where arguably the best coach in NFL history just had a perfect game plan to shut him down and shut their yeah. whole team down. So, you know, there's always been this, like, wow, he's rattled about, look what happened in the Super Bowl. That's, you know, it, I, I don't really think that's true now. I, I, I still could go either way on whether the Lions want to keep him around long term. That'll be a discussion for the off season. Yes, but like he had, you know, like things were going poorly, and then poo, eh, who cares? Just went back out there and drove him right down the field. Tight. I think looking to tie his, slash win the game. I think that's his maturity. I think he's he's a more mature person than he was before. He, even the first year he joined Detroit. I think he's really grown over the last couple of years and um, you can see him, you know, when he look at, look at like uh, Denver and Minnesota, when they were blitzing, like he didn't, he didn't seem phased by it. And, you know, you're hoping to see the same thing this week against Minnesota is that they can pick the blitz up and, and golf can hang tough in the pocket and show that maturity. All right. That's enough of the of the Vikings, the Cowboys game. Let's go to the Vikings game. Lions favored by three and a half on the FanDuel. It's going to be on Fox, as you mentioned already, Eric. Joe Davis, a Michigander, on the call with Daryl Johnston and Pam Oliver on the sidelines. The referee is going to be Brad Rogers. He officiated it. The, the last Lions game he officiated was the stinker in Baltimore. It's his yep. seventh year in the NFL, fifth as a referee, 12.4 flags per game, which is above the 11.7 league average. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything really controversial. Uh, oh, there's always I, time to I add, feel like, add something. I, I feel like there is one, but I'm trying to remember the the story I heard. Uh, but I don't recall anything uh, that stands out to me, so... I'll have to uh I'll have to think on that, but I I don't know. I 
I'm awfully bitter at the referees right now. So let, I don't have anything <laughs> positive and I'm trying not to say anything negative. All right. DVOA rankings. The Lions are seventh overall, fifth offensively, ninth throwing the ball, fourth running the ball defensively. Moved up a tick to number 13, 16th against the pass, third against the rush. That's up also a spot. Special teams are 19th, and that moved up a little bit, up three spots from 22 last week. The Vikings overall come in ranked number 21, 23rd offensively, much more, uh, well, both in the 20s, 21st passing and 27th rushing, 8th best defense according to DVOA, 10th against the pass, 12th against the rush, poor special teams at number 28th. They're 7-9, and nine. Uh, Lions pushed them to 7-8. and eight. And they got uh, crushed by the Packers last week, 33-10. to 10. Uh, So they've lost three in a row. Uh, we all remember the game from Christmas Eve where they lost the Lions 30-24. Nick Mullins threw four interceptions. And although they were driving, they did have a chance to tie or perhaps win the game at the end. Um, you know, you wrote, you, you posed the question, you know, what's changed for the Vikings since two weeks ago, well, they went with another starting quarterback last week, but that's evaporated. <laughs> and now they go back to the quarterback that the Lions, that faced the Lions in uh, um, week 16. So um, my whole goal this week was kind of to, to basically figure out what did we know about this team before and, and what do we know about them now? Like what what is different, right? So for example, like when they were – when coming into the game against the Lions, they were 16th in DVOA. They were also fifth in defense, right? But they've right. gone down in every DVOA category except run efficiency, which they actually went up one. But that's only because they're not running the ball, uh, in my opinion. Everything went down. Uh, deep, all three DVOA defensive categories dropped three points. Their overall dropped five. Their offense dropped th- uh, three in uh, in pass and, and and just two overall. And when you look at like the raw numbers, it's the same thing. It's these huge drops in efficiency, these huge drops in averages, um, both on offense and defense. You're seeing things like their sack numbers are going uh, way up. Uh, they're not and and they're not getting as many sacks. They're uh, their conversion rate on offense on third down is and fourth down is dropping. And then on defense, they're not stopping anyone on third or fourth down. And so that's getting worse. So like those critical downs are becoming a problem. Their turnovers are increasing and they're not really getting turnover takeaways. Right. So like, so, so yes, there's a QB carousel that they're back on Mullins. Um, Hawkinson, and uh Wandum, their ed their edge rusher, their starting edge rusher, they both went on injured reserve. Like I said, they're declining in all these categories. The worst category they're declining in right now is um time of possession against the Lions. Can't run the football. The, against the Lions, Lions had the ball 32 minutes or 38 minutes and 20 38 minutes and 22 seconds. Against the Packers, the Packers had the ball 37 minutes and 32 seconds. So, like, they've dropped, like, 10 levels in, like, time of possession in the last two games because they've had the ball, like, a third of the time. And so so you ask, 
the question, the obvious question is, well, why do they not have the ball as often as they did? They've well, run the ball 27 times in two games. Yeah, they're, they yeah, can't they're keep not, the clock running. Exactly. They're not running the ball. They're turning the, they've turned the ball over six times in the last two games and they're not converting on critical downs and they're giving up conversions on critical downs. And so that's allowing the other offenses to stay on the field. So it's, it's a, the last three games have, have really not been good for the Vikings. Um, ever since that fourth, third or fourth quarter of the Bengals game, the Vikings have just kind of like imploded in my opinion. And they've tried to fight and like every game that they've been in this year, except for one has been a one, a one score game. So they haven't given up and they're willing to fight, but they have their ability to close has just been terrible. A 180 um, from last year when they went, had an insane exactly. record in one score exactly. games. Exactly. And so it looks a team, it looks like a team that's rattled and they still have an outside chance to make the playoffs, but they need like five teams in the NFC to lose. Like it's an insane like thing, like for them to, they'd have to beat the lions and then have like five teams lose. And so like, it seems really unlikely that, that they're going to have a chance. I think they know that they don't have a chance. And, uh, I think they're just trying to close the season on a positive note, but even their writers are saying like that. They're not expecting much out of the Vikings in this finale. Mm. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a, I think it's, it's still, uh, you have, you have a defensive coordinator who's trying to throw his name into the ring for a head coaching job. So he's going to be like wanting to call a great game to end on a positive note. Uh, Justin Jefferson is going to be, you know, he's going to want to hit his markers. He's going to want to hit his miles. I think he's like 120 yards away from a thousand. And I know that that's like a big deal to them because they want him to have right. another thousand yard season. Well, so I think done it. Gonna... he'll do it in only 10 games or whatever. Right. right. It's crazy. And so I think, I do think that they're going to try and feed him, especially because of the success well, that he had. Yeah, happened last yeah, time. Right. Yep. Exactly. Six catches, 141 yards. Right. So, I expect them to try and feed Jefferson. I expect them to try and be aggressive on offense, but I'm not scared of their run game and I'm not scared of Nick Mullins. And I think this is a game that the lions can win, but it's not going to be a pushover. The Vikings tend to stick around in games, but I also don't think that they're good enough to, to, you know, push the lions to the point where they can beat them either. So there's a lot of, there's when you just look at like how they're trending and, and, and where they're at and where they're able to win and where they're not and where they're losing, it just, it all, it's, it's starting to point more and more towards the lions and how the line and with the lions still having something to play for. And with Campbell selling them on the fact that they still have something to play for. I, I just, I see the lions as being more highly motivated. It's going to be at home. They're going to want this to be, they're going to want everything tuned up and ready to go for, for the playoffs so that they have uh, all this positive energy and they're going to want to work out some of their, their, their potential problems. And so I just, I see this game as, as with, a, as being very favorable for the lions. And uh, I expect the lions to be able to capitalize on a lot of the areas where the Vikings are are flawed right now. 
All right, running through the roster really quick. Let's do that. Just real quick, not like how we normally do because yeah. we, we've seen this already. Nick Mullins starting a quarterback. Mentioned that before. Last time he faced the Lions, four interceptions, threw for 411 yards. Vikings were chucking the ball down the field, playing yep. to the Lions' weakness, as you talked about from the even the Cowboys game. Lions struggled giving up the big plays, and that's what they did against the Vikings. Yeah, I expect them to do that again. Um, you know, they only ran the ball 11 times for 17 yards. So, uh, and, and, and the Lions, look, the Lions right now, their run defense is playing as good as it's been all season, right? Um, I think they give up on average 88 yards a game, but over the last three games, they're only giving up like 53 yards a game. And so that's best in the NFL right now. Like right now, their defense, their run defense is the best in the NFL. And so I expect that to be the same. Uh, I expect them to come in, try and stop the run, try and double Jefferson, and, uh, you know, then make Nick Mullins go somewhere else because, and make him throw it, make him throw it, and make him try and go somewhere else. Lions have given up 161 yards rushing in the last three games or 53.3. Would that be 53? 53.6. Yeah, the six repeating um, over those last three games. The running back is, you, you, is Ty Chandler. You mentioned his 17 yards rushing the last time these two teams played. Wide receivers, we already talked about Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne had a big game against the Lions last time, five catches, 95 yards. Brandon Powell, uh, as the uh, um, he's return man and uh, the, as the fourth receiver, he was out the had, uh, guy. three catches, 53 yards against the Lions last go around. Yeah, not much to say. Uh, I think we kind of know who they are. The only guy that I, that I, the only thing that's worth noting in the receiver group that's different is Jalen Naylor's still in concussion protocol. He's been in that mm, for like three or good. four weeks now. Yeah. yeah, you gotta feel bad for him, especially isn't he I know he I know he played at state, but isn't he uh, is he local as well? I can't recall. Oh jeez, um, that's a great question. Let me let, let me see real quick. I don't think he is, so, but that usually means he is. No, <laughs> he's from Las Vegas, Bishop okay. Gorman High School. So yeah, he's not uh, a local still, but he, Spartan. So yeah, part of the state. So you feel bad. Strong, uh, Certainly. Yeah. You feel bad for him. That's a, it's not good to be in concussion protocol that long. All right. Tight end position. We're all well aware TJ. We ended TJ Hawkinson's season the last <laughs> time they played. So it's going to be Johnny Munt and Josh Oliver, the tight ends. Neither yeah. of them really much to write home about against they, the Packers. Munt had four Oliver's, catches for 39 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. I think Oliver is a, uh, he can be, he he's a good player, but I think they leaned on Munt a little bit more in that game. Offensive line left to right. A lot of questionables on the list I'm looking at here. Christian Derrissaw is very good. Dalton Risner, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill. Yeah, the tackles are their best. Um, Darsaw missed today's practice with a illness, and O'Neill has not practiced at all with an ankle injury. So um, both are kind of questionable at this point. All right, you mentioned Brian Flores. Let's flip over, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, for the Vikings, uh, down on the front line, we got Jaqueline Roy, Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Bullard, um, Danell Hunter, and uh, uh, like those are those are Sheldon Day, Curie's Tonga, uh, Andre Carter the second. Those that that's that down mm-hmm. defensive line group. Roy, the first guy you mentioned, has not practiced this week with an ankle as well, so he's 
uh, he's going to be questionable to play. Uh, I don't know if he will, if he doesn't, I, it's probably more opportunities for Sheldon day to get in with the starters, even though it's not going to be that much because they typically only use two of those guys. You mentioned Wadham is out linebacking court, Ivan pace, Jordan Hicks. Uh, we saw some of Pat Jones last time they played uh, coming off the bench, Brian Asamoah, Anthony Barr, Nick Vigil. Yeah, Pat Jones has been the guy they've leaned on with Wanham out. Uh, I don't think Pat Jones is very good. Uh, I don't expect <laughs> him to be a problem. I like. I mean, I'm going to call it like you see it. Uh, Hunter is really their only pass rusher right now, and that that's that's the way I see it. You've got uh, Hunter. you got to worry about him. Everybody else, they're going to try and stop the run. And, uh, yeah, that, so you focus on Hunter. All right, in the defensive secondary with the corners, Got a Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy Jr. Also, we'll see um, Makai Blackman, Najee Thompson. Uh, So uh, Byron Murphy suffered a knee injury in the Packers game. He has not practiced this week. He is not expected to play. His backup is Blackman. Blackman um, was limited with the shoulder injury on Wednesday and then couldn't practice on Thursday. So now he is uh, being downgraded is something to keep an eye on as well. So all of a sudden their outside corners are looking awfully thin uh, and you know, could be a potential problem. I missed Andrew Booth in that list. When yeah. I was listing off their players. So they, they use three safeties a lot. Cameron Bynum, Harrison Smith, and Mattel, Josh Metellus from Michigan. Those are the three. Uh, yeah. Harrison Smith listed as questionable. Theo Jackson, Jay Ward, Lewis C. And those are the guys on the bench. Yeah, it's to the point where the the Vikings people are hoping Lewis Seen actually gets some playing time to see if he's can do anything because he hasn't really done anything since he was drafted in the first round a couple years ago. So, well, geez, that was only last year, wasn't it? In twenty two. So, um, yeah. So they're I don't think expecting much, um, especially like with I think Theo Jackson has been limited. And uh, as well, so it could be an opportunity for seeing to see some playing time. Uh, the kicker, Greg Joseph, hit a 54-yarder last week. Ryan Wright, the punter, had a, he was averaging 50 yards against the Lions, averaged 50 last week against the Packers, so he's been having a good run. Brandon Powell, the punt return man. Uh, Kane Naguanyu is the kick return man. It's it, they're all average in my opinion. I mean, that's part of the reason why they're ranked 28th in DVOA. Um, right. They're just, they there's some talent, but, and you see it in spurts, but it's not anything consistent that you have to like be overly concerned about special teams. Andrew DePaula is the long snapper. He had no issues from what I remember against the lions two weeks ago. Uh, I, I am worried about uh, McQuaid. As I as I send you messages weekly about <laughs> what I consider as bad snaps by Jake McQuaid. It hasn't really killed him yet. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I don't know. I'm worried about him. I understand. Uh I'm starting to keep an eye on it a little bit more, but I think you're definitely more on the button than I am uh when it comes to that stuff. So uh yeah, you just gotta keep your fingers crossed, I guess, and hope he uh doesn't become Alabama's center. Oh jeez, that was nine bad snaps. Of course, one more important than the rest of them in overtime. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Let's uh, let's finish up talking about this game. All right. So 
I think I got the win last week because I picked the Cowboys. Yep. It, by yeah, so technically you you win. Yeah, yeah technically. Um. So this week, I don't know. I can go either way because you you say you're saying the Vikings are giving up, you know, and I don't know if that's true because look at the Lions. Look, remember last season? Sure. Lions went to Green Bay. Lions were already eliminated from playoff yep. contention, you yep. know, when that when that game rolled around. But they took a yep. lot of pride in taking down the Packers, keeping them yep. out of making the playoffs, which was fantastic. You know, you remember well, that was just a year ago. And I don't, the Vikings don't have, and it's not exactly the same thing, but, you know, they want to go out with some pride, I think. I think I, th- I think the, the scenario you're painting is applicable to the Bears because the Bears can keep the Packers out almost. They sure uh, can. Well, maybe uh, maybe the Bears, which are looking more and more like last year's Lions. Yeah. Um yeah, that, that I just I I think the Vikings are going to try. I, I it's not that I don't think that they're that they've given up. I just think they have obstacles in front of them, and it's a worse team than it was two weeks ago. And I'm gonna give the oh no, go ahead. I'll give the Lions a twenty-seven twenty-four victory. All right, well you're pretty close to me. I'm going with my uh, that's the score that I picked last time. And the score ended up being 30 to 24. And so right, that's what I'm right. going with. I'm going with 30, 24 again. Okay. And I actually don't even like that. I'm making it a one score game uh, because I think there's a real chance it's, they could win by double digits, but I'm going to keep the one score theme going with them. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say 30, 24. They're going to keep it close, but I think the lions are just going to ha- have too much. I, I, Look, my gut says it's not going to be as close as that. Like the, but that that's that was the number I came up with earlier. So, well, twelve wins would be great, which would tie the ninety-one team for the most wins in a single season in team history, not including playoff wins, of course. Although that Lions team went twelve and four because of only the sixteen-game season, so it would be great to have them finish up that 12 and five record instead of being an 11 and six team, especially since you'd be like, wow, they went not 11 and six. The 2014 team went 11 and five, you know, <laughs> so they, what you know, that, that team was great. No, it wasn't. They had, they had the second best defense in the NFL. It was, it was, you know, the crest of Sue's career, really, yep. you know, he was such a dominant force on that defensive line and that really boosted the line. You, he leaves and things start, you know, falling apart a bit. You know, he, he was the straw that stirred the drink on those teams, but you know, regardless, it, it'll be a capper to an excellent regular season, first division championship in 30 years, and got to look, got some big, because even think about last year, you know, if if the Rams, <clears throat> Rams had to beat the Seahawks, right, and if they did and the Lions go out and beat the Packers, we yeah. weren't thinking about winning the Super Bowl. It was just getting in and getting yeah. a place at the table, yep. you know, and, and this year it's totally different, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's more like, well, like they need to get in and they can start winning once they get in. Right. You know, that's the goal. I think that's the expect expectation as yeah, well. Right? The expectation. I, yeah. At least one playoff win. I think yep. it, it'll be, if they lose that first game, it'll be a disappointment. The, the, the season would be, you know, unfairly, but it's probably true, would be a failure if they end up losing that first playoff game. <sighs> it's a tough question it would to be answer. extremely disappointing it would be extremely disappointing i will completely agree with that um especially if they lose to the green bay packers and that <laughs> think about it that way 
you know, or wow. even to that Rams team, it's like, okay, like you traded away Matthew. I mean, this was at his behest and yes. maybe Brad Holmes was planning on going in there and seeing it, you know, like when he was going to be interviewing for the jobs, like, well, you know, if we trade Matthew Stafford, we could probably make this team good a lot faster, you know, that type of thing, either way. <laughs> but like the move was to trade Matthew Stafford for a bunch of, uh, you know, assets for the future. And yes. now, the conversion of that would be, well, we shouldn't be losing to Matthew Stafford in the playoffs three years after that. Like either way, yeah. it's it's bad because you lose to the Packers. It's like, well, are the Lions really the best team in the division? Because they know show on Thanksgiving against the Packers and then lose to them in the playoffs. Like it's still the Packers division. You know, the Lions just happen to win it this year. You know, like so I would say if they end up losing the playoff game, it's a failure. But well, I'm the negative one. Don't forget. <laughs> but like I, I'm I I Again, I looked at last year's opportunity going into Green Bay as an opportunity to have a franchise-defining win mm-hmm. and exercise some demons, and that this is the same thing. I, I view this the same way. If I, I want them to get the Packers. I want them to, to step on the Packers for all those reasons, the opposite of all those reasons that you just said, right? Because I want them to be able to get that monkey off their back, to get to get it to a point where – People aren't, you know, uh, bringing up the fact that the Lions haven't won a playoff game in X number of years. I, I want all that stuff gone. Like it's, it just, it they deserve for it to be gone. Uh, it's, it's, it's in my. I just, I think it's, it's a storyline that doesn't need to be around anymore. And this team, if they're going to, if they're headed in the the direction that we all believe they are, uh, it's not going to matter which one of those teams come up in front of them. Lions are going to have a chance to. Uh, to knock them off and, and, and have some positive energy, uh, you know, because I think they're better than both those teams and we'll have a lot to talk about next week, depending on which one it is. But I think the Lions are better than both those teams right now. And I know that their offenses are scary and I know some, and there's some areas where they don't match up as well. But the thing is, is they have a lot of positives. They're built differently than those teams are and i think they're built to win and they're built to win in the playoffs um i expect them to win this week uh i i'm gonna go back and uh point out that i i make predictions with jeremy and uh when the schedule is released every year so that's um in the like the first week of may and last year i predicted they'd be nine and eight and they were nine and eight this year I projected they'd be 12 and five. So I'm expecting to win. I'm expecting to be right again uh, and be able to, you know, say that I correctly, you know, projected what they would do, even though I have, I really, it's all luck. And I'm just, you know, guessing at that point, six months before the season happens, but still, I think uh, <laughs> I'd like to keep that record rolling. And so I expect them to win. I expect them to win now. I expect them to win later and things get tougher after that. But I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not scared of these first round opponents. Uh, maybe I should be. And I know they're tough. Like I said, I know they're tough, but I also have a lot of confidence in this team and uh, I think they can beat anybody right now. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to get this week done with so that I can get on to the next one. Inane non sequitur comment that popped into my head while you were talking. You mentioned the 91 Lions playoff win. I've mentioned the 91 playoff win. 
in this yeah. uh, this podcast, and we're far from the only people who discuss the Lions who bring up that '91 playoff win. If you had a time machine, now this is way down in the list, like in the hundreds somewhere, but I think it's still on the <laughs> list, right? Would go back to the Pontiac Silverdome on that day in, in January of 1991, and like stop people as they're leaving the stadium, being like, "Remember this day." <laughs> because it's like the, the most consequential football game for the Detroit Lions for the next 30 years. People are going to be talking about it ad nauseum, even though a lot of people aren't even really remember it because, you know, it was, they trounced the Cowboys, you know, whatever, you know, like, and this was just because we have Barry Sanders. It's going to be the norm for the next, you know, five or six years. <laughs> but like it, 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 that game just gets hammered on so much. That was all I was bringing up. There, there'd be now because it goes lower on the list if like, the time machine you are not you can't change anything like you basically just can complain to people oh, all right, things all right. to people because yeah okay. if you can change things there's a whole bunch of other events that go above yeah, it yeah depending certainly. on you know like th- that i guess that's a podcast in itself <laughs> about making yourself wealthy or making the family wealthy before you're even born but then would you even be born you know like this it's all been discussed by others before and it's not the uh not the purview of this podcast so i best i probably just leave it at that well, let me, all right, let me, <laughs> let's bring it back to, uh, I have a question for you about the game that I forgot to ask. All right. And that, and that is, uh, what is your comfort level of them playing the starters? Do you have any issue with them playing the starters and playing to win? No, whatever. Like they, they need to play to win, especially since they don't know that they could, they could still be the two seed. Like, That's why true. wouldn't you play everybody? Right. You know, if, if they were locked in at three, I'd be like, yeah, don't play. Maybe you, you'd start them and, you know, have golf play a couple series and then take them out or have them not play at all. And, you know, you mm-hmm. know, Teddy Bridgewater's retiring. Let's give him one start here at the end. Against the you team know. who drafted him. Right. Right. You know, but they, they're, they're technically playing for something and they're also playing to keep the Vikings out of the playoffs, even though, like you said, it's a long shot that they'd make it, but like, all things considered, yeah, you play everybody. Because what if you win? And what if the Giants and Commanders pull off a couple of upsets? All of a sudden, the Lions nice. are the two seed, and they could have two playoff games at home. You know, it'd be one thing if they would still only, yeah, you move up to the two seed, but you still only have one playoff game if you if you at home if you win it. Like, but there's still something at stake here. I think they should play everybody. I, I just think this is a Dan Campbell way to do it, right? Um, I think he. I, there's so many times when you see teams rest their starters and they just can't get them back in time. The Colts they, were famous for that. Right. In the right. past. And, and so like, I just think Dan Campbell's mentality is to keep that foot down and keep, keep rolling. And so I fully expect him to play him as much as possible. Uh, I actually asked this question to the POD audience. I, I gave them five options uh, when should the Lions consider pulling their starters was the question. Uh, should they just rest them all? Uh, should they only rest the players dealing with injury? Should they pull their starters after they get a two-touchdown lead? Should they just pull their starters in the second half, or should they just let them play the whole game? Um, I have not got the results back from that poll yet, so I don't know what the fans have said, but... Uh, for me, I, I I I'm comfortable playing them. I think if you get a two score lead in the second half, like you could consider pulling some of them, you know, like in the fourth quarter. But 
I've you'd have to have a multi-score lead to to feel comfortable with that. So um, I'm not expecting. I'm expecting them to play, and I'm expecting them to to try and, like I said, keep that energy level uh, headed in the in the in the right direction. All right. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add, Lions wise? Um, I don't think so. I think that's All right, the we end. Got- Got a rating from Doug the Lion on Apple Podcasts. Five-star review. Very, very nice review. I think he's the one who left the nice review with with uh, one criticism before I think oh, he's really? changed, changed it to update it. So, well, Doug, nice. we, we appreciate that. Um, nice. Me in particular. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then Spotify, we had a, a, a boost with a few ratings. And hey, we appreciate that. Hey, we appreciate everybody that's listening in general. All right. I I... This doesn't make me feel good, but I know I have to let you do it. How do you, <laughs> let's talk about what happened on New Year's Day, the final Rose Bowl. Well, no, before the twelve-team playoff, I guess it's not really the final Rose Bowl. But <laughs> Michigan finally gets off the Schneid at the Rose Bowl, wins the Rose Bowl, beats Alabama, puts itself in the national championship game. Looks good in doing so, especially defensively. Yeah. What yeah, do you thought? Look- you you want to say something? They looked uh, nine poor snaps from Alabama's center. Could never get it together. I, I, I think the, the offense was a little disjointed uh, from what I was comfortable with. Uh, I thought the defense looked great. Uh, Alabama left a, you, you were catching Alabama at a time where they were inexperienced on offense. And so I thought this was a really good opportunity for Detroit, Detroit for Michigan, Michigan. to, um, to Don't take advantage of them. Here. <laughs> I thought it was a good opportunity for Michigan to um, take advantage defensively because they have that. I thought their defense was better than Alabama's offense, but I was very worried about Alabama's defense. I mean, Alabama has three potential first rounders on that defense. Like they have some terrific players. And so I was, I was hoping to see more running. Um, I was a little bit, a bit surprised by that. And, uh, but when it mattered, it was nice to see what they were able to do. And, uh, you know, very lions. Like it's so many ways, 20 to 13. Yeah. Right. Michigan had to make that huge drive at the end of the game to tie the game. You know, and I was like, I was like, well, will Harbaugh go for two? Like, will he he call for his inner Dan Campbell? And no, you wouldn't. You mentioned this earlier in our shows that like the college overtime system is much different than the NFL. You would rather take your chances in overtime. Yes, certainly. And unless you're a much worse team, if it's the situation where like, right. Alabama's number one and Michigan just happens to be in the game, but they're really like number 20. And right. like, they, they've just been being, been able to counter punch the entire way. And let's just go for the win right now because I, you know, this I is agree. our best chance, but that's not what this was. Yeah. You know, like they obviously more or less even teams and let's take it to the, the, let's take it overtime. I tell you what, I mean, look, Bama, Bama scares has always scared me because they're just loaded with talent and they have a terrific coach. And so, um, I was happy they got the offense going when they needed to. I, 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 you know, I, and I was, it was, of course, poetic to see Blake Corum uh, break the Michigan touchdown record on that play in overtime in order to do it. So, like that was, that was a, a really nice moment uh, all around, and I think it really speaks to 
the player that he's going to be because he's he's gonna he's gonna do that in the NFL. Uh, probably part of a rotation, but he's he's gonna be able to do that. He's gonna be the David Montgomery to somebody's Jameer Gibbs uh, in the NFL, and it, I, I expect big things out of him. So it was nice. I uh, I would have rather faced Texas, in my opinion. I thought they, and I, I I'm I think Washington has a, the better quarterback. I think Washington. Oh has yeah, better. they do. They got it's not three, even close. They got three. Yeah, they got three good receivers instead of just two. They do. Uh, like Texas has two really good receivers, so there were five really good receivers in that game. Um, but jeez, I mean, look, they have yeah. what's considered the nation's best offensive line. But mm-hmm. the previous two years, Michigan had the nation's best offensive line and that fell apart in the playoffs so it doesn't really mean much being called the nation's best offensive line to me yeah, yeah. They, they have a they have a really good left tackle who's probably going to be a guard in the nfl uh he's really good maybe he uh, and then is uh jonah jackson maybe, maybe it's a guy the lions will target if he's there and that's it i mean he yeah maybe uh, realistically like he's 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 very good um so 55 he be... right i can't remember his name it's with an f uh, yeah, it's Fatuan, uh, Fatanu yeah, yeah. or something like that, right? Um, he might be the best interior offensive lineman in this draft. Just pointing that out. Like he's going to be, in my opinion, he's a left tackle. He should play left guard in the NFL, and he could be the best interior lineman in the draft. And so, um, like if the Lions are going to take a tackle guard interior, uh, like a tackle guard guy who can come in and start at the end of the first round this would be the guy like he would be the guy high on my list. So um, they got a really good edge rusher as well in, uh, in Trice. And I think he fits a lot of what the lions would actually like as well. Um, so for example, Trice is uh, let me tell me if this fits the, uh, the Dan Campbell mentality. Trice leads the uh, FBS in defensive line snaps and he leads the FBS in defensive line pressures with 77. He had seven pressures last game against Texas. Like for a, for a defense, he's basically like he has the same mentality and like of like work ethic as like Aiden Hutchinson, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's this guy who never takes snaps off and he, and he's a guy who just constantly is able to get pressure, but he's not like a sack leader. He's, I think he's like in the twenties or something like that for like his, you know, where he ranks in sacks. It's only like in the teens, what he's produced, but Trice is, he's really good. He's a guy I would also like consider. And so when you add a guy, like they've got a really good left tackle, they got a really good edge rusher, they got three really good re- top 100 receivers and they got a quarterback whose stock is shooting up to like, that's a really talented team. And so, um, this is the national championship game. It's well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, play it's, somebody who's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so the, yeah. And then look, they're going to play him next year too. Cause they're going to be in the big 10. Yep. Right. This is the so, big 10 championship game. The first this, big 10 champion, the first <laughs> new, new big 10 championship game will be the national title game. I, I think if Michigan can establish the run, they're going to win this game. Like it's if they can sure. get that ground game going, like uh, their defense is so good and they have, I want to say Washington is still going to have the, have the advantage when it comes to like the corner wide receiver matchup. Sure. But, well, but Michigan, as far as we know, 
because yeah michigan's never faced a team like that because even ohio state their quarterback wasn't great even though right. they had top-notch wide receivers but sure. well, even, but even then with, with Har- the issues with harrison mm-hmm. um well you know like i mean the, the michigan's favored and, yeah but, and, I, but that's the x factor is that well, washington passing game as i know i mean like on marvin harrison he his game took off when will johnson got hurt like will johnson in my opinion could enter next season as like cb1 like he's that good he's a true sophomore so he can't go out this year right. but he's going to be eligible next in next year's class and he's he could be CB one, so you, like you, you're going to have more. You have a really talented corner, and you have a really talented nickel who's going to be a top 100 pick in this class, if I, I believe. And then you've got a transfer guy as your other. But like again, you're talking about three top 100 players versus a a top 100 nickel, probably you know borderline draftable outside starter, and then and then maybe one of the a first rounder a year from now uh, on the other side. So like they match up well, but I think it's just, I I still give the edge collectively to Washington. And so it's going to be a fun national championship. National championship is why the NFL has games on Saturday uh, this, this week instead of Monday, no Monday night. No Monday and night um, it should be fun. It, and hopefully it's just going to be good news on top of good news for those who are Lions and Michigan fans it is a together. Good, it is a good double for the Lions Michigan fans because they're what this season that you guys are twenty five and five. Yeah, it's right. Been a, There's not it's a lot of losses. A, it's been a good year. year. Yep. Yeah. Probably the best year uh, since ninety seven for sure. It's probably even better than that ninety seven year when you think about it, because uh, ninety. I mean, Record wise, I mean, yeah. if the yeah, Wolverines yeah. lose, it won't be as good of a year as the '97 year. Because right, '97 the Lions, I think nine and seven. You know, that's mm-hmm. the that's when they lose to the Eagles, and the and Michigan goes twelve and zero. Right, so that's twenty one and seven. So the yep. the record's already better right now, but mm-hmm. that there there needs to be a payoff. Certainly, yeah, it's got to be a payoff. Uh, that '97 team was. No, that's one of the greatest football teams I ever saw play. You know, like when, when you talk about college teams, you know, that yeah. team was loaded. It had everything. It had the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Didn't even play on that team. It was on that <laughs> right. team and didn't even play. That's how good they were. You know, they had they had something like twenty five players that ended up in the NFL. I think on was, that team. well, I thought there was like. Was it twenty some that were drafted and then thirty seven or thirty nine? Maybe that's what maybe that's NFL? what it is. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was twenty five drafted. It was like it was an insane number because like when you went up and down that list, you saw more than just Tom Brady in the reserves. It was two like NFL oh, look. Hall of Famers. You're like oh look, there's Ian Gold. You know, yeah, you have two Hall of Famers on that list with Charles Woodson, right? Like so, yeah. And then you... would have been three if Rob Rennes didn't break his back in his first preseason game. I made that. Come on, he was he was my favorite <laughs> player from that team. Yeah, no, they had. I mean, they had. You know, they had. They had uh, on the offensive line. They had Backus, Jansen, and uh, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Oh, they have three yeah. NFL. They have three Hall of yeah. Famers because Hutchinson's going to be all right. The Steve Hutchinson, right? Yeah, Steve. So like the uh, so like, yeah, they. Uh, that was a it was a loaded offensive line too. They had three tight ends that all went pro. Um, they couple receivers, couple back. Like it was, it was that was a loaded team. I don't think this Michigan team is going to no, have that. They're not type as good of, as that. It's a yeah. different college football is different though now. Totally than different. It was back totally, then. 
Yeah. Because there's more there's more evenness in the yeah. middle than there used to be. Like because back then they have the best teams were the best and then everybody else kind of stunk. Right. Now I, like the middle class is a little bit better than used. The best teams are still the best, but the middle class has failed it more. So with the best this, teams don't have as many star players. With this Michigan team though, <clears throat> there's a lot of NFL talent on it, but it's not like you don't have like elite talent like you've had like there's no Hutchinson on this on this uh defense you know what mm-hmm. I mean like there's no Hutchinson so at least as far as we know there might be some freshmen that right right develop, but yeah but you're right yeah. that can but, go out but, and do it on Monday yeah they're not gonna have that but they have like they've got like 20 guys that are all probably like that are gonna that could are all, all gonna end up in camps this this year right. you know what I mean like that and like they just have a ton of depth, a ton of experience, a ton of like older guys that are leaders. And so that's going to give them a huge, uh, a huge advantage, I think, in, in the game on Monday. Yeah, I hope it's an exciting game. I don't know. Like, I know there's plenty of people that I work with and live around you that it would be <laughs> great for Michigan if they won. You know, friends of mine would be great for Michigan if they won. Yeah. I don't know if I could bring myself to root for them. <laughs> I don't think I'm capable of it. I was sitting there on, you know, I was sitting there on Monday, you know, just like you want both of these teams to. I don't know, like I was like, I want both teams to lose. Like I want one Alabama and Michigan to lose. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. You know? I just pull pull for your buddy, man. Pull for your buddy. Well, yeah, it, it 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 would it would kind of make me feel good if you felt if you were happy, you know. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate. I, I got to give you that. Um, <laughs> one last question. We're way over on time here. Harbaugh, oh, yeah. mm. how shocked were you? Not shocked. He outcoached Saban. Kind of shocked, especially with his career up to this point. You know, the last couple of years, he's been a lot better as a coach. But he's definitely a guy. You know, in that yeah. in that first how many years who could be outcoached in a football game? Yeah. You know, like. I- he, D'Antonio did it on a couple of occasions. Mel Tucker did mm-hmm. it once, you know, yeah. like, and here he is, he's out coaching Saban in a playoff game, you know, and I know a lot of it is because he's brought in the right assistants yes. and uh, the Charlotte coach who was used to be with them, sat him down and told him, Hey, cut the crap out. You shouldn't be micromanaging this team. Let your coaches do the coaching and you just stand yeah. on the big picture stuff. And maybe that's, what's doing it all. But you know, he's finally putting it together. Well, I think that's and he's a virulent cheater. You got to add that in, but forget about that last part. Just everything else. I I do think he's had to change his leadership style, um, and I think if he was still micromanaging, and he was um, and during his his suspension. I don't think there's any way, like if he was still micromanaging, I think they would have lost one of those games. You know what I mean? Um, At least one of those games. And so I think his growth really, you know, I think changed how the coaches, he's always had good coaches. Like the coaches underneath him always go on to to better, to, you know, new jobs and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. he's always had a rotating staff. But his ability to kind of loosen the reins on things uh, certainly, I think, helped. I, I don't you think, think he's, he's going gone. Throw... No, no. Okay. I knew. I figured that's where your next question is. Well, that's probably the last gone. question. Here's here's here the like for okay for me, he's it's too good. 
he has it too good here. Like at, at Michigan, he can do whatever he wants. He can be the weird guy that he is. And he but can, people, people don't think that way a lot, you know? Yeah, but he, yes. But, what but, you're saying is true, but does that Joe, mean that's what he's going to do? Joe, he has a license to do anything he wants. That's like, true. You can cheat all you want. It's, he cheated. You know, got, some, yeah. uh, suspension. They got they got they got suspended and they still won. And like so he he's looking at this saying, I can do whatever I want. Like I don't have to do I don't have to do interviews like I would have to do in the NFL. I don't have to do press conferences like I would have to do in the NFL. I don't have to talk to people. I can just be my weird self and uh recruit kids. Where that I the kids that I want instead of having to draft the guys that are available and and I don't have to deal with owners. Uh, I Ward Manuel yeah, some of those deals boosters with all that have stuff. to be. Well, although Ward deals he with probably talks stuff. talks yeah. down to a lot of those boosters. Probably, I'm, I'm sure he ignores that's, the crap out of them as well. Well, but that's um, well, there. There could be groundswell to get rid of them on, on that basis. <laughs> I'm sure they could. They're the ones that matter, right? You, if he pulls the national championship. They're not going to have any legs yeah, to stand they, up. They won't, yeah, they won't do anything. Yep. Yep. So I, he's, he's, it's too cushy. It's too cushy of a job. I don't think he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and McCarthy, JJ McCarthy struggles mm-hmm. the last yeah. few weeks of the regular season, even yeah. in the Big Ten championship game, a little bit. You know, he was great on Monday when he, he needed, I guess he half. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I guess that's why they, they had their struggles, but like, Made a couple of he th- had more tough, poise. tough plays. Yeah. Yeah. They had more poise at the end than, than I expected. You know, it'd be interesting. That last drive and everything. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Because I think if he jumps, someone will draft him in the first round. Because that's what the NFL does. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, um, you don't, it's a lottery ticket. Like, right. you might win. Exactly. It, 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 right. And he's one of those guys you might win with. Yeah. It's a 50 yeah. 50 shot with all these he's, quarterbacks. He's got a good arm. He can run. He fits the style of what teams want. Um, I really think he, if he went back and had another year under Harbaugh, I think he could be even better. Whereas I don't know if he gets that same attention uh, at the next level or he gets interested in something or, yeah. Is next year's team? They're not supposed to be as good as this year. No, because they have a lot of they have a lot of seniors and stuff yeah, that are probably going to end up. The thing is, is it gets really weird with the COVID year, and like I said, right. with no real like superstars, you wonder how many of them might be like, oh, we'll take another COVID year and see if we can back to back. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Well, no, you're right about that. That, and if they can make a few bucks, you know, some of these guys won't yeah. play football at the next level and. They can yeah. make some more money, you know, playing no, in college. It's true. And uh, it's true. so, yeah, that would all be interesting. And if a booster came along and gave McCarthy more money than he would have earned in his first year <laughs> in the NFL, he might choose to stay. Right. Yeah. So, it's certainly possible. Who knows what might happen. Yeah. We'll see. Right. It's going to be an interesting off season. All right. Well, well, we'll see. Hopefully the people, uh, if they hung around this long, if they're not college football fans, they <laughs> probably weren't going to listen to that. But that's why it's good we put it at the end. Yes, certainly. We went longer than I thought we would. So hopefully well, uh, they enjoyed the extra this time conversation. Yeah. Well, still, in general, I think, yeah, we went. There's a lot to talk about to this week. So, Right. Yeah. That's it. That's all we got. Let's not keep them any longer. So until next time, let's go Lions.